All right, thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. 99% of cases of COVID-19 are harmless, says Trump. Remember, the White House numbers puts our death rate at around four, four plus percent. So is that harmless? To the 130,000 plus dead, to their families, to the tens of thousands who've suffered terribly, to all those suffering now, harmless? Maybe if he gave a damn. Maybe if the president of the United States were not ignoring and coming up with new ways to reportedly get you to live with a pandemic, maybe then he would know just how stupid that statement is. I will say this, Trump's strategy of lie, deny, and defy all facts and decency is just as toxic to our society as 99% of COVID cases. But he is being honest about one thing, and it matters, especially now, especially to you, the president's supporters, because you also own what he is saying right now, his blatant pitch to bigots. He has no position on whether the Confederate flag should be flying in America in the year 2020. This man will not bring anyone together. His plan is the opposite. That's why if you want to beat this pandemic, if you want America to be better for the worthy, the key is the we, you and me, together as ever as one. What do you say? Let's get after it. We have a special guest tonight, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. She'll be on in just moments um, here on primetime, just after learning tonight that she and her husband are COVID positive. Life is going to change for them. They got kids. They have people to take care of. They have a community to take care of. We'll talk about that. Now, the mayor is more proof of this virus ravaging our country. It can reach anyone, anywhere. And the president says, no big deal. Now we have tested almost 40 million people. By so doing, we show cases, 99% of which are totally harmless. And by the way, he was reading. Somebody wrote that. Somebody wrote that crap. 99% harmless is 100% wrong. And he should know it. His son's girlfriend has it now. Kimberly Guilfoyle, and I wish her well. He has everyone around him wearing masks, everyone around him getting tested, every case that pops up around him traced contacts fully. But he's telling you testing is the problem. And the self-declared wartime president has refused to mount a national attack on the virus. And when confronted with deception, what does this White House do? It doubles down. I think the world is looking at us as a a leader in uh, COVID-19 because the chart I showed you where you have mortality rate in Italy and UK up here and across Europe and you have the United States um, at a low case mortality rate, it's because of the extraordinary work that we've done. Their own task force says there is no national strategy. They just lie to you. And she is right about one thing. The world is looking at us. The richest country on earth with just 4% of the global population 
and 25% of the cases. The country with the best health care in the world, having its system potentially overwhelmed because there is not enough smart testing being done. Their own task force says it. There is no national cohesive plan. Their own task force says it. 32 states have surging cases. Their own data says that. And we have a president holding rally after rally where people are exposed to the virus and also his poisonous politics as he is more than ever flagrantly and flamboyantly fanning the flames of racial tension in this country. His plan is obvious. He wants to get as many of you who are white, angry, and active on election day as he can. Look at this tweet that would make George Wallace proud. Blasting NASCAR for banning the Confederate flag. You support Trump? You support that. Why? Because you don't get to say, well, I'm not about that, so I just like the other. No, no. You support it. The animus and the bigotry that he ignores and emphasizes, he empowers. He's okay with that. What he empowers, he owns. He's okay with that. You are complicit. You own it as well. Are you okay with that? Asking if the only black NASCAR driver, Bubba Wallace, had apologized to drivers and officials who came to his aid and stood by his side? What does he have to apologize for? Oh, well, the noose, you know, it had been there. NASCAR calls it a noose, not a garage pull, Kaylee, not a garage pull, a noose that they were using to pull the garage. NASCAR calls it a noose. NASCAR wanted the noose investigated. Bubba Wallace didn't ask for it. Fact. Even Trump's press secretary couldn't spin this dizzying bit of bigotry. In aggregate, what he was pointing out is this rush to judgment uh, to immediately say that there is a hate crime, as happened in this case, as happened with Jesse Smollett, as happened with the Covington Catholic boys. In an aggregate, those actions uh, made it seem like NASCAR men and women were racist individuals who were roving around and engaging in a hate crime. The president's intent was to say, no, most American people are good hardworking people. I mean, we should not have this rush to judgment, knee-jerk reaction before the facts come out. Why does she equate what happened with the Covington kids and Jesse Smollett with NASCAR people? What is a NASCAR person? I love NASCAR. Am I a NASCAR person? What is she talking about? What is this code? What is this division? Why are they spending so much energy on that and no energy on what is literally killing us? Again, the FBI called nothing a hoax. They certainly put no blame on Bubba Wallace. Why would the only black NASCAR driver apologize at a time that we are struggling with systemic racism? What is the president's position on that? 
Why can't this White House unambiguously state whether or not it supports displays of the Confederate flag no, I said, and Confederate monuments, which I said are much is, more a part of this question than Gandhi? Yeah, I said um, that you know he was his tweet was not to indicate approval or disapproval of that particular policy of NASCAR. It was an aggregate uh, to stand against the rush to judgment to call something a hate crime before the facts were out, when clearly the media was wrong about this. The president has made clear he was not taking a position one way or the, or the other in that tweet. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe in 2020, somebody who thinks about how to get out of every situation as a function of her job, or at least how she chooses to do it, just said that and felt good about it. He has no position on whether or not a Confederate flag should be flying in America in the year 2020. This isn't about context. Slow down. This is not about the context of the comment. This is about the content of his and her, frankly, character. No position on flying a Confederate flag in America. Here's one. As a journalist, it's wrong because it is not heritage as if it's benign. Okay? It is a heritage of bigotry. America will be motivated by bigotry in this day and age, naked in your face. I'm okay with Confederate symbols. I will enlist the government to protect the monuments of those who tried to protect the institution of slavery. Really? That's going to get your vote? Really? We have to be better than this. Let's bring in someone who is battling both American pandemics personally. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. She and her husband don't have bad symptoms, but were diagnosed positive. Mayor, thank you for showing up tonight. Uh, do I have the news correct? That You're, you're right, Chris. Um, we tested positive. One child has tested positive. Oh. So, um, you know, hopefully it won't get much worse than this. Uh, my symptoms have been like my seasonal allergy symptoms. I've had a headache the past few days and uh, just, you know, a little dry cough, but that's not unusual because I, I have that with my allergies, uh, which are just about year round in Atlanta. And my husband literally has been asleep since Thursday. Um, and so. All right. He's been yeah. asleep since Thursday. Let's just talk mom to dad here. Sick person to sick person for a second. All right. Because uh, I, I can only imagine what you're dealing with in terms of how to manage the household now, how to protect the other kids and what you have to do and where they can go and all this. Uh, he's been sleeping. Any fever? No. Well, actually, he had one at about 99. But again, we Good. both have allergies. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just it's not unusual when everything is in bloom. Now, everything's um, random. Everybody's random. You'll see now you'll get the frustration that we all have of everybody's going to tell you different things. But I got good news for you. OK, my wife felt exactly it's not a boy girl thing, but she felt exactly the way you do right now. Maybe I have a sinus infection. Maybe it's my allergies. I'm a little I'm a little low energy, but I'm all right. Uh, she had that for about a week, eight days. She couldn't smell or taste anything, though. It recently came back, freaked us all out, but no other symptoms. One week, and then that was gone. My son did the sleeping thing, like your husband is. And again, I'm not saying it's gender-related, but I say he, he had it. One week, 
It was gone. He had a little bit low-grade fever early on, nothing else. You know my deal. Everybody's case is different. If you don't have symptoms early, it's a really good sign that they're not going to come anecdotally, okay? Now, how's your kid doing? Fine. And great, my husband great. just told me I was getting ready to come on, and he, he said, I've been having those Cuomo dreams. He described them as the, the dreams that you were having, but he just mentioned that to me today. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm still in a state of shock because I, I don't have any idea how we were exposed. Mm -hmm. And we've all been, we've been very careful. Even, you know, my kids have been careful. So I'm, I'm stunned. Now, what do you do about the other kids? Well, I have two more who once tested positive, once tested negative. I have two more who I have to get tested. Um, and as fate would have it, I was actually with my mother yesterday who I've not spent a lot of time with mm -hmm. just being <clears throat> mindful that she doesn't need to be around us. Um, so she is going to get tested again and then we'll figure it out. If I, I don't know. I hadn't gotten that far yet. Well, also, uh, as you know, I'm always a phone call away. Uh, and, you know, we have tremendous reach here between Sanjay and access to the task force and everything. Any information uh, that I can help with in any way. Um, you have to take it one test at a time, um, Mayor. You got to see how your mom is, see how she does. Um, they will tell you, the, the doctors, that a big part of their understanding now, and again, don't be frustrated by what they say they don't know, because that's just the nature of this beast, is dose what is viral dose? Viral dose is how big a hit did you get? Early on, I was in hospitals all the time when this was first happening. I probably got a big dose. My wife was taking care of me. That's got to be how she got it. But she was being so careful. Took her 18 days to get it. Smaller dose. Didn't get sick. Okay. My mother was around right up until when I got sick. I don't know when I had it. You know what I mean? I might know when my, my symptoms got worse. She's been great. Thank God. Knock on wood. My son, same thing. He wasn't around me. Um, low dose. He got better very quickly. So factor that into your thinking. They are pretty aware about dose. And if you just went and visited with your mom and she hasn't been there and she hasn't been all over the house and everywhere where you guys are, those are all good factors uh, for her well-being going forward. So let me ask you this, because my point tonight was not to make you more anxious. Um, how does this change... Your personal sense of urgency, um, Ms. Mayor, about what you're dealing with. You've been incredibly committed to your community, but now that it's hit your family, what does that mean? You know, Chris, I, I'm still as committed as, as I was on the front end. We still have this phased reopening in Atlanta, despite the eagerness of the state to reopen. And so thankfully, many of our job centers still have not opened. Many people have been heeding all of the warnings um, that we've given. We, the governor's order does not allow us to um, put a mandatory mask in place. Uh, my good friend, Mayor Savannah has done it. Um, and so I think this is probably as good a time as any for Atlanta to follow suit with that. Um, but it, it, it still remains the same. Black and brown communities are getting hit and we are getting hit harder. Thankfully, my family, 
all of my kids have asthma. That's of concern to me, but my husband and I don't have underlying health conditions. And so prayerfully, you know, this will be as, as bad as it gets for us, but um, this is scary. Um, it, we, we've done all the things that we thought that we should do. And for us to still test positive, I think really speaks to how easily this virus is spread. And obviously, None of us are immune from it. Where are you on the freak out factor? Um, I think I'm still in, I'm still in shock right now, quite honestly. I, I got the news around uh, just before six o'clock and I, I went and I was speaking with my husband. I said, can you believe this has happened? So now I'm I'm, I'm in mommy mode trying to f- figure out what this means. I was trying to fix something to eat for one of my kids. And he's like, don't touch my food. And so, you know, so I, I just got to figure that out. My, my, my kids scattered when they heard that we were positive. So I probably won't see them for the next 14 days. Um, you know, everybody's yelling across the house. So that's the, that's the other side of this. I'm mayor, but I'm also a, a, a mom and a wife. So I've got to, wrap my brain around what exactly this means and how do I keep um, all of my kids, the rest of my kids safe. If you didn't identify with the priorities of people and their families, they wouldn't elected you in the first place. It's always family first. And you're going to have to take care of that. Let me get a quick take from you as somebody who's dealing with both of these issues. uh, The pandemic and the poison in our society is systemic racism. What is your response to the president saying here? Here's the good news, uh, Mayor. Ninety nine percent of the cases are harmless. Uh, and Confederate flag, I have no position. Chris, I try not to give any energy to him because it is energy that I will never get back. That being said, he each time he opens his mouth, he reminds us of how bad he is for this country. This is the reason that we all need to show up and vote in November. This man is dangerous. This virus is spreading across this country and he refuses to do anything on behalf of the nation to make it stop. He is a danger to all of us. And that didn't have anything to do with party affiliation. And so, you know, what what can you expect? To expect something different from him is like insanity. And and I, I just refuse to keep giving him that energy. I'm gonna put my energy into electing a decent man in November, and that person is Joe Biden. And getting well. Uh, Health first. Uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, thank you, especially getting this kind of news to come on and let the audience know how it is for you. Um, I appreciate it very, very much. I'll keep you on when I go into the commercial. I'll make sure you have my phone number so you can reach me if there's anything I can do. God bless you and the family. I hope you get through it very quickly. And just like in my family, one of the kids had it, two of them didn't. So let's see what the tests show. All right. God bless. And I wish you well. All right. Another example of the coronavirus spread. It's not about more testing. More testing would be part of the solution. It is not part of the problem. We have more spread, more hospitalizations. Hospitalizations are not about measuring. They're about sickness. The U.S. military now deploying medical personnel to Texas. Why? Because the disease is taxing the system. Dr. William Schaffner is back tonight with the science. 
I know the numbers are getting foggy and frustrating. The why is what matters. He has it next. Here's some straight talk from the most credible man in America, Dr. Tony Fauci. We are still knee deep in the first wave of this. We went up, never came down to baseline, and now we're surging back up. So it's a serious situation that we have to address immediately. You said that today. I didn't hear the 99% are harmless though. Weird. You see anyone around Fauci addressing this immediately? No. I see the much hyped reopening, running into problems, cases going up, being blamed on testing, when the only real issue with testing is there's not enough and it still takes too long. I see a straight shooter in Dr. William Shafter. Doctor, it is good to have you. Um, your concern about the messaging of this reported, we need to live with it motto that the White House may start pushing. Well, if we want to live with it, I'm afraid we'll die with it also, because that will cause many deaths. We still don't have a national program, as you have already said. It's something that the countries that were successful in suppressing uh, COVID did. They had a national program coherently described and clearly communicated to the population. They indeed brought everyone together in their countries to follow the national plan. That's what we desperately need. Well, and we don't need it, though, doctor. That, we don't need it because 99 percent of the cases are harmless and the world is looking at us with envy because we've handled it uh, much better. We've done more testing than anybody else. And our death rate is lower than all the other places. That's what the White House says. Well, I'm wincing, as you can see. Uh, obviously, it's not harmless because it's harmful. We can see that with the increasing hospitalizations the difficulties some hospitals are already having with enough intensive care unit beds. And it's all over the country now. It's spreading widely. As Dr. Fauci said, we never got over the first wave. We put a little dent in it. We opened up and that first wave just kept rolling on. And it's all over the country now. And we need some coherence. It now relies on us as individuals if we don't have a national plan. We have to wear our masks, watch the social distancing, avoid large groups. I have to tell you, I saw all those videos of what happened over the holidays, and we're going to reap the results of that in two and three weeks, just as we are now reaping the results of what happened over Memorial Day. Cases are up. Deaths are down. Uh, how? Well, well, first of all, we're getting better at treating these folks. That's really the good news. We have a couple of drugs that we can use. We know much more about how it is this virus makes us sick. We were talking about coagulation issues uh, before, uh, and we know how to anticipate those and prevent those in large measure now. So that's the sort of thing that we can do much better. And then, of course, it always takes a little longer for people who are cases to come to the hospital, go to the intensive care unit, stay on those ventilators, and then some of them pass away. So it's a lagging indicator. Mm. 
Hey, do you make anything of this blood type analysis that people are doing? Every time people ask me, I'm increasingly more and more people are asking me this stuff. And uh, I say, yeah, I'm A negative. They're like, oh, no wonder you got so sick. You know, if you were O negative or O positive, those cases are, are much better or they don't get sick at all. Do you buy any of that? Early scientific reports would suggest there may be some genetic difference, but it's not confirmed. We need to study that much more. So it doesn't help me very much at the present time. Uh, and the science will follow, but the urgency, the immediacy right now is for the targeted testing. And you believe that has to be nationally coordinated, not state by state. Why? Uh, because there is so much confusion out there on the part of the populace. They don't know really which uh, drummer they should be following in the parade. So if we had some national standards, some national targets and goals that we could get all the governors to participate in, then I think the people will follow if they see it's a nice coordinated plan. It's that old analogy with the orchestra. You need a good, strong conductor to keep all those diverse instruments together. Then you get pretty music. We got Captain Cacophony up there right now, uh, barely starting to even recognize the need for masks. Dr. William Schaffner, thank you very much uh, for keeping us uh, true blue on this. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right. And think about that. You just heard from Schaffner. You, you hear it from the other people, Fauci and Burks. No national coordinated plan. Find me another country that got through this that left it all to the locals. Of course, you need local control. But think about it. No national plan. You're starting to see something new with our other big battle in this country. At the protests that blanket our nation over the racial divide. You know what you're seeing now? Firearms. Not the weapons themselves. You got a right to carry, carry. It's who's carrying them. What will it do to people when they see men like this carrying guns on the street? I find this highly instructive and provocative. So instead of hiding from it, I want to talk to the man you just saw on your screen. A leader of one of the movements is here. Why does he believe that this is the way that he will be safe. Next. Scare people in America when you start talking about protecting Confederate monuments and protecting a heritage uh, that was about protecting slavery. What started out as a battle over the future of a Confederate monument, therefore has shifted to a conversation about guns. In late June, a group of protesters in Shreveport, Louisiana, showed up downtown calling for the removal of Confederate statues. They were met by counter-protesters who showed up armed with handguns and rifles. You've seen this, right? Well, they have a right. They have a right. And they were accused of trying to intimidate the peaceful crowd. But everybody says, but they had a right. They had a right. Second Amendment. Well, then why is everybody so upset about what happened next? It's become an important part of the national conversation. Members of a black gun club showed up on the scene with their own firearms and a message of their own. I don't see the president cheering the armed black protesters on his Twitter feed, do you? I wonder why not. Why did he cheer the other ones? There's some good people. The governor should listen to them. Why isn't he making that appeal for the black people who are good people, who are scared? 
I see a need for all of us to learn more about the motivation for movements like this. What makes someone so scared that they feel they have the need to defend themselves and others with a firearm in America in 2020? Let's get after it with Nikki Daniels Jr. Next. What do you think about this message? It's time for black people to get trained, get permitted, get armed, and protect themselves. Take it the same way as if I said white people? A lot of people on the internet aren't. That's the message coming from a group of armed black men called Sleep is for the Rich Gun Club. They're in Shreveport, Louisiana. And they went down to the courthouse with the purpose of protecting unarmed protesters, specifically black women. The leader of this group, Nikki Daniels Jr., joins us now. Thank you for taking the time to meet us. Peace and love, Chris. Thank you for having me. So what is the message? You didn't just go down armed for no reason. I saw the video and I understand the context and we did the reporting. There were other people there who were counter-protesters who were armed. What was your move? Well, let me, do we have time for me to take you back, you know, to the beginning of, you know, when it, when it, the, the initial text message that I got, I was at, at my house screen printing t-shirts for my brand, Sleepers for the Rich clothing. I got a text message from my, from my friend that lives on the Pines Road named Trey. He owns White Lobster Clothing. He called me and said, hey, Nick, he texted me actually. He said, hey, Nick, do you see what those verbatim, you see what those white boys are down there doing to those protests? And I said, man, hell no. What, what's going on? Like, what's going on? And he sent me the, a screenshot and a, and a link to a Facebook video of this, of this woman. And um, when I opened up the video, she, she, was, she was ripping posters out of these protesters' hands, this white woman. She was ripping a, a posters out of these protesters' hands. And she was, she was do, I have to, do I need to watch my language on here, Chris? Yeah, watch it a little bit. All right, well, she kept saying, N-word, N-word, N-word. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Back yeah, we get back. it. We get um, it. Yeah, <laughs> got you. Um, this is everything that I was seeing in the, in the, in the video that, that my friend Trey with White Lobster Apparel sent me. So when I saw that, I immediately called him on the phone, and we, we said what we needed to say. We got, you know, we got all the artillery, man, and we went down there. And, so uh, what we do you say when people see this? You had good motives. You wanted to keep it safe. You didn't want to shoot anybody. Um, and they say, oh, Definitely. these black guys are scary coming down with guns. You see, this is what it's all about. They want to come down. They, they want a race war. What do you say? No, you got you to gotta understand. We didn't just grab the guns just to grab them. We grabbed the guns because we thought that those Confederate guys, they had guns on the sidewalk. And it's one thing. It's one thing to be shouting in somebody's face, you know, yelling out obscenity, you know, telling, telling, um, I, I saw one man, one of the, uh, the Confederate men telling another one of the peaceful protesters to perform a sexual act on them. You know, um, like I said before, the other young lady, the other white lady with the Confederate, she ripped a, she ripped a poster out of somebody's hand and just ripped it up right down the sidewalk. And the reason we felt so compelled to come down there is because I didn't see any police officers down there. Surprisingly, when I got down there, we did see some, uh, a couple SPD officers, Shreveport police uh, officers down there, but we didn't feel like, we didn't feel like they would stop what was going on. You know, the guys had guns. 
and they were getting they were they were literally the video I saw one of the videos I saw man one one of those Confederate guys could have easily wired one of those kids jaws shut man they were that close they were they were yelling in those kids face and um they had guns on their side and um no nah, bro we just wasn't going for that man it's just, the, the more I even think about it you know it's just uh yeah, uh, yeah, we wasn't going for that, bro. Well, thank Not God nothing happened. Uh, you know, you guys didn't get into yeah, any yeah, kind of yeah. face-to-face armed. Uh, sure, you said something interesting in the video. You said you were talking to a police officer, and he said, look, uh, he explained to you that we're not in the business of stopping crime. We get there after crime has happened most of the time. Hey. And you hey. have taken that as hey. an explanation of a reality in communities like yours. And you said, if you want to stop yourself from getting abused, if you want to stop people from coming to get you, and they are coming to get you, you better protect yourself. Do I have that right? Yes, that's exactly you're right. You're exactly right. The um, you know, I, I'm I'm a big, I'm a huge proponent in that. And when that it was a it was a police officer with the um, the Bossier Police Department who was teaching the class, and uh, I forget his name. Maybe if I look at my my card, I it'll have his name on there. But um. When he said that, it just it made all the sense in the world. Police officers are not crime fighters. Police officers aren't Batman. Police officers aren't Superman. Police officers arrive on the scene after you've already been violated. So the message I'm trying to send to my people is we gotta we gotta get off of this um, uh, peace, love, and happiness. We gotta get off of this. You know, um, you know, um, my, my God is gonna protect me. No, no, God gave God God gave us guns. God gave us sense. You know, God gave us the, the God gave us pride and pride in ourselves to have enough love for ourselves and our families and our businesses to want to, to not want somebody to come and, and, and mess over us easy. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Like I hear you, you should you should want. You should you should want to be able to protect yourself. I tell my little partners down here in Shreveport all the time. Don't don't carry a gun with the thought in your mind that, that, that you're a gangster, man. Carry a carry a gun as if that gun is a sword. And every king, every king carried a sword back in the day. And that's what I tell boys. That's why I build my, that's, that's, that's what this whole Louisiana Kings movement is, is about. I'm trying to show boys you got to carry yourself in a royal fashion. That's, what, that's one of the 48 laws of power. Shout out to Robert Greene. Robert Greene, he said that, um, he said that um, you have to carry yourself, you have to carry yourself in a royal fashion to be, to be seen in a royal fashion. Well, I just wanted to give people, Nikki, I wanted to give people a chance because this is blowing up all over the place. And there are other, you know, their videos are elsewhere in the country um, and people want to, you know, typecast it as, oh, the Black Panthers are back or this or that. I wanted people to hear it from you, what it was about and how it was instigated uh, and what your aims and purposes are so people can keep the facts straight. And I also want to stay in touch uh, with what your experience is going forward. Uh, and you have a line to us whenever you want about what's going on so we can report it accurately. All right. Definitely, man. You got to make sure you stay tapped in, man, because you said that that, that monument, that Confederate monument has 90 days to come down. It has 90 days to come down. So CNN, y'all might want to stay locked into that because uh, it's going to be a uh, going to be a monumental occasion, man. We'll stay on it. Uh, it's about what's right. And it's about justice and fairness under law. And I know that, you know, you've said it on the video. Everybody should be respecting the blood, uh, respecting the law and respecting what runs through the blood of this country as well. Nikki Daniels, Jr., God bless. Stay safe. Shout out to Shreveport, man. Peace and love. We'll be right back.
case counts, seven-day rolling averages, positive test rates, all these graphs, maps, and figures. People are frustrated, and they're tired of it. The president is banking on that. That's his strategy, that you'll get bored and disinterested. He'll even ignore the pain and commitment of the people we rightfully called heroes, the ones who choose to walk day after day into hospitals that are all too often out of control to be there with those who are afraid, who often die alone, to care for the suffering. They can see with their own eyes that what he's telling you is BS. We show cases, 99% of which are totally harmless. Kaylee, I cannot tell a lie. McEnany can defend that garbage all she wants. But even the chart right behind her head says the virus is worse than POTUS is pushing. Politicians will spin it, especially Trump. But we can't. We got to be straight with each other. You want school to open in the fall so we can get the economy back and get our kids where they're supposed to be, where they can learn, because this at-home stuff isn't working. Sports, shows, resume, sit down inside, see the people you want to see, live your life that you kill yourself working to deserve. The only way we do that is by doing the things we have to do. Okay? And here's the answer. Okay? We are failing to control the virus. Forget about blame. We have to do what the other nations did. We have to move forward from where we are right now. The answer is twofold. First, you have to take responsibility. You have to wear a mask if you can't socially distance. You got to wash your hands like crazy. I got the crazy dry skin too. So what? I'm going to tell you this. If you get sick, uh, it's going to be terrible. So yeah, doing these things I just mentioned can kind of suck. But nothing can defeat us if we're motivated and we are together. The second goes to that as well. The reason that we're not beating this thing is because we're not working hard enough to do it. We don't have the data. The fact is too many in positions of power are hiding the truth and hiding the reality from you and they're hiding from it themselves. The reasons are political and odious and obvious. You'll get the chance to judge those in 120 days. Too many at the state and federal level are ducking and covering between the biggest numbers they can find. Listen. We test much more than any other nation. And we have testing at a level that nobody's ever done before. Nearly double the number tested in any other country. We have no national strategy on testing. We're not doing it smart because he doesn't want to. It's totally on him. And volume doesn't equal efficacy. And he knows it because there's people telling him it all the time. We're not testing anywhere near the rate other countries are. We're doing so without any plan. This is what the president's own CDC director said just last week. I don't want to get into the numbers of the test because I don't think that's the real issue. It's how testing is used and what's the consequence. Okay. That's his guy. We've seen long lines as hundreds wait at drive through testing centers. It's not getting it done. All those tests still have to go to a lab to be analyzed, which means people uh, who doctors have identified as likely to be exposed are left to wait in line with everyone else for their results. Lines which, once again, are back to taking more than a week. All of this burns through valuable reagents and swabs, which aren't, you know, not, we still don't have enough of this. He didn't use the legal authority he had to get it done. He did it for the wall. He didn't do it for this. The lack of testing strategy leaves it up to the states. Some do it well, some don't. 
means we're not comparing apples to apples when we look across the country. It's the difference between judging a baseball player on total hits versus batting average. You know what I'm saying? Both are useful, but they're not the same. Uniform, open, and accurate data is necessary to answer certain key questions that we still don't know. And the only reason we're not transparent is because we want to hide from the reality, especially our president. And it's killing us. It's killing us. Take a listen to what this federal government is finally doing that it's been talking about for months. The whole of government approach. This whole of government approach. The whole of government approach. The whole of government response that uh, we spoke about so many times. The guy in charge of the task force, the VP, he doesn't want to get this done. The whole of government approach. That would mean HHS handing down national guidelines for both diagnostic and antibody testing. It would mean a strategy for how to monitor hotspots and defining national reporting standards. While we're at it, it would mean the VA secretary showing up to answer how the hell he's taking care of the people that we promised to do the best by. A labor secretary insisting on protections for workers who have to be in dangerous places like meat processing plants. The HUD secretary defending fair housing rules at a time that so many are hurting. In other words, it means do your damn job. I know he doesn't like the reality. What is your reality? Why are you there? And if you're not going to help people, get the hell out and let somebody else do it. There are plenty who want to do the right thing in this country. We'll be right back. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon, the man, right now. There He's he back. is. back. How are you? Did you miss me? I always miss you. <laughs> I miss you even when I'm with you. You probably got to see me more. I know. <laughs> when I was off then. How you doing? Better than I deserve. But I'll tell you what. I had on uh, my young friend from Shreveport, Louisiana tonight yep. because, boy, is it different, D. Lemon, when they see the brothers show up with guns. <laughs> uh, as we call it from those of us who are from Louisiana, not Shreveport, but Shreveport. Shreveport? <laughs> yeah, is, I don't think that is, works for me the same way. It is way. Shreveport. Uh, I saw it. And, you know, uh, a lot of people will probably be intimidated by that. But we've had that conversation before. If you want to make any changes with the Second Amendment, you start getting some black folks uh, signed up for uh, conceal or right to carry uh, permits. And that may change in an instant. And that, that, that segment you had on was indicative of that. I think. But, I you think know, it was very it's lovely. something we have to handle delicately on one level. Yeah. And I'll tell you, because already my social media is blowing up, you know? Mm -hmm. How could you endorse these guys going there looking for a fight? Who said they were looking for a fight? Mm -hmm. They saw people getting intimidated by men with guns who were there to represent a heritage of slavery. Yeah. They took their right. Not one of them got picked up for not having a license to carry and not having a rifle firearm. Yeah. Well, they did the same thing the other guys were doing. There you go. The president celebrates them, says they're good people. The governor should talk to them. Remember? Yeah. Uh, but not course. these guys. Of course, I remember. And I think it's at the root of what we got to deal with more. Here's what I've been saying is that, um, and I've been noticing over the time that I've been off, the conversations that I'm having with people regarding Black Lives Matter, regarding the tearing down of, uh, the taking down of monuments and what's, you know, erasing history and so on and so forth. And I try to, I just sit there. And I listened over the last week because you and I have been telling, I've been telling people you need to listen, right? Especially white brothers and sisters, you need to listen. So I just listen to people. And the conversations are very interesting. I think people are concerned that this removal of monuments um, when they are not sanctioned by, you know, official means of government, 
uh, that, oh, well, it's giving Trump a, a, a talking point. That may be all uh, well and good. But I think the bigger talking point is that Trump has been put in a position now where he's having to defend racist, uh, treasonous uh, people, uh, people who turned against their country. He's turncoats. He's put in a position to have to defend that. That is a bigger narrative that people should be talking about rather than people who want to remove statues if they're giving Trump a talking point. Okay, fine, I understand that. But, but think about it. Movements are often messy. And a lot of these young people are saying, we've asked for decades. You've asked old people, Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, whomever, for these statues to be taken, put in a different context. Nobody did anything about it. And so now, guess what? The chickens are coming home to roost because you haven't done it. You didn't do anything about it. So maybe the narrative around instead of, why are you removing these statues, uh, that you're erasing history. Nobody's erasing history. That is the wrong context to put it in. You can't, you can't erase history. You can't erase slavery. You can't erase the Confederacy. That will never be erased. What people are trying to do is put it into context. And these are the conversations that, conversations that we should be having. And yes, they are messy. And sometimes people aren't smart about which statues they, they take down. Fine. If, if the people on the other side would think, well, maybe we should get involved in the conversation about which statues should be taken down, where they should be put. We should meet these people in, in the middle and discuss these things. These are the right conversations to be, had, to be had. We're contextualizing it the wrong way. We're looking at it the wrong way. And I, and I think that's the issue. And we cannot fall. I agree, I agree with you when you said, um, to, what do you say? Together, forever, as one? Is that Together, your, is that your as thing? Together, as, as one. Ever as one. I agree with that. You cannot fall for this president trying to divide people. So if someone says, oh, this is going to go way too far. Well, how far is this going to go? Just say, no, we're not, that's not what we're doing here. What we're trying to do is learn about each other. We're trying to put history in the right context. We're trying to, um, to get you to understand that a lot of what you've been taught in history has been propaganda. And some things you need to unlearn so that you can become a better citizen and that the promise of what America is is available to all. Why not have the mindset of, well, maybe we should be taking down some of these statues. Yeah, engage what the do fear. We do? Exactly. Engage the fear. But people are afraid to change. Where does that come from? Where does it end? Yeah. But, but that, that's not coming from a place of logic. Uh, nobody's saying, well, then it never ends. Y yeah, it does end, first of all, because what you're dealing with is a time in history where slavery was okay and how you reconcile that with where you want to be. It's yeah. not about a race. It's about proper place. Yeah. And fear frustrates that effort. But oh, Chris, they're coming for all of us. They're coming for everything. Being white is now bad. But it's not, that's, it's not that's just what he's preaching. Right. But it's not just the, the Trumpers, as you say, right? It's not just the Trump apologists and the Trump supporters. It's very well-meaning liberals as well who are, are feeling these things. And if you're having those feelings, then maybe that, that means that you have a conscience about it. And that, that's actually the right feeling to have. And you should be engaged in a discussion. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ, if you believe in, if, you, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ, admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. So why are we deifying the founders of this country, many of whom owned slaves? And in the Constitution, the original one, 
they didn't want, uh, they, they put slavery in there that, that slavery uh, should, should be abolished because it was the way the king wanted. And then the, the Congress said, no way. And so they had to come up with an alternative about three-fifths of a man well, they and, on knew, and on and on and on. They knew so, that they had an inconsistency with their logic. There you go. So All they're not men perfect. are created equal. They're not except perfect. Except these men. We have to stop deifying them. And, and so, yes, they did some great things. And they created a constitution and a, you know, a blueprint for us that wasn't perfect at the time. And that's good. But they weren't perfect either. And so as Americans, all of us should come together and have these conversations and get together and stop letting someone divide us. No one is perfect. Nothing is perfect. Not even the founding father. Nothing human is perfect. We are all yeah. fallible, especially people are limited by their time. There's no question about that. But here's the good news. Clarity is a good thing, okay? Yeah. And the president is worried. And he should be. Everybody who wants re-election in a tight race when their numbers suck should be worried. Uh, but how do you deal with it? The irony is the most opportunity always in politics. The demagogue gets an early lead. Dividing works. But a uniter is always more powerful in right. the end. That was, that was Obama. Uh, that was Reagan. You know, people who can bring people together around a big cause is going to win. He has removed all doubt with his press secretary echoing his sentiment that he has no position on whether a Confederate flag is a good or bad thing he's defending, flying in America. He's defending you don't need to hear anything else. The only say yeah. I say to people who support the president is you don't get a pass. You don't say I support him because I like the deregulation, but I'm not about that. No. Yeah. You vote for all of it. Yeah. You get all of it. That's but been he since the very he beginning. Empowers and you own it. That's been since the very beginning that I think people of color uh, realize that if you're supporting him, you're supporting a racist and you're putting racism on the back burner. And people are just not cool with that. Now, the country's ready to move on. Trump is a relic when it comes to these issues. And the people who support him get on the train or get off because it's going to keep moving. And the longer there are people on Earth who are um, like us, who who embrace diversity, right, interracial couples and on and on and on. It's over, buddy. It's a last gasp for bigotry and racism, and they are fighting it tooth and nail. I got to run. I've already been told eight times that my show is in jeopardy because we're going on so long. But I miss talking to this you. This is the show. I love you. There's this only one great, D-Lemon, brother. Great There's show. only one. Yes. Stop. We have to come together. Don't fall for the okey-doke. Don't. Do not fall. Do not let him divide you. When someone says that, what, what are you erasing history? Say, no, we shouldn't look at it that way. What we're doing is trying to learn the truth about our history and where we go from here as Americans. Thank you, sir. See Love you, you soon. Love you more. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.